I'm Brandon Hull, and it's time for Freelance to Founder. I have a really interesting relationship with risk in the way that like, I don't really recognize it that much, meaning I've taken some obscene amount of risk, um, you know, some risk that I think very few people my age take in regards to like living on credit cards for quite a while. And I'm just doing things that are like probably objectively irresponsible. But I think based on where I am in my life, where I have little responsibility other than myself, now is the time to take the risk. Welcome to Freelance the Founder, where I uncover the stories of freelancers and solopreneurs who've scaled their businesses to be something much bigger than themselves. Today, we feature my conversation with Matt Sherman, founder of Hubloft and Gigloft. Now, if you want to jump straight to the interview with no setup, skip to the three-minute mark. But if you want to hear why Matt's appearance on our podcast is so important, keep listening. Matt Sherman's a young guy, pretty charismatic, very persuasive, go, go, go. Back in school, he was able to convince a large group of Arizona State University students to run around campus in their underwear as part of the Undie Run charitable effort. He ran for president of a few organizations in his time and won those as well. And you'll discover in this episode that he was able to convince famed angel investor Jason Calacanis to invest in Publoft early on. But you're also going to hear some hard lessons in this episode. Not every founder story goes as planned. Lost customers are just one thing that can go wrong, although we've not really broached that subject with past guests. Well, that happened to Matt and his partner. And in Matt's case, major health issues can pose massive stumbling blocks as well. Matt's pretty transparent about what health concerns have exacerbated his business problems in the past, even the recent past. Hubloft exploded onto the scene as a sort of outsourced content agency for software-as-a-service companies. Rather than those founders blogging themselves, they focus on building their companies in other ways, and Hubloft takes on that task. This is what attracted Jason Calacanis. But things went downhill for the reasons I just mentioned. Gigloft, meanwhile, was always in the back of Matt's mind. He knew that marketplace could and should exist as well, where freelancers could find better opportunities and maybe they'd find on Fiverr or Upwork. Well, listen in on this episode to hear how it's all going, because this is not your typical freelance to founder story. And stick with us till the end, because Matt comes in strong in our three-in-one segment. One principle, one habit, and one person that have been instrumental in his life. All right, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Matt Sherman, founder of Publoft.com and Gigloft.com. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever 
whatever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash freelance, or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you wanna travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language. Order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Mr. Matt Sherman, it's great to have you on Freelance to Founder. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. We, this is take two. <laughs> for those who are listening, it, it you is. don't know this, it but is. this is take two. This is effort number two. We tried to do this from the uh, from the road and it just didn't quite work out, but that's just sometimes how the world works. And I'm glad that we're finally able to reconnect now that things have settled down and you're uh, you're stable in one location and we can, we can have a great conversation about where you're at. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I also got my, my, uh, this time I got my nice mic. Whereas last time I was, uh, it wasn't too good of a microphone. <laughs> so we're, we're set up for success this time, but we navigated around that. We navigated around that last time we were able to find That's a true. way. Uh, and, and yet, yeah, now we have a pristine setup. So, yeah. so it's, it's great to have you on founder of, of gig loft and pub loft, both dot coms. And, um, the story will be fun because this is something that you've started up, um, well, within the last two years for Publoft anyway. Um, and so you're not so far along in your journey that we're telling the story of your million dollar business, five million dollar business, or ha- even half million dollar business for that for that matter. But so this is a little bit early in the story. But you are making the transition from freelancer to founder yourself, and and it's a really cool story to to, to share because we'll be able to talk about how you've made that transition, how you spend your time and what the decisions are that you've made to build your businesses um, as we go through this conversation. So I'm really looking forward to that different stage. You know, it'll be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. So um, since we're talking about Gigloft and Publoft and you have one third little secret weapon uh, that serves as a source for revenue for for you, um, let's start like we do with most of our interviews with where the Matt Sherman business, Matt Sherman Enterprises, is today in terms of revenue. What would you? Sh- what can you share with the audience? Sure. So as of the end of September, so today's October first, uh, Publoft brought in uh, about five thousand uh, dollars in September. Gigloft brought in about one thousand dollars, and then personally, my podcast got uh, um, a uh, our first sponsorship for four hundred bucks, which Woo-hoo! is super exciting. So, um, yeah, definitely diversifying some income, which which is good, and uh, everything's you know um, doing uh, yeah doing fairly well. Very cool. So, do you view these three as three separate enterprises that sort of? do their own thing or do you see them as three things that should and could feed off of one another indefinitely or do you how do you see the paths uh going forward 
I think Pobloft and Gigloft definitely feed off of each other. They're in a very similar space. Um, ultimately, like the way you can think about it, you know, Gigloft, which is a school for aspiring freelancers, is kind of like a entry point to uh, um, to freelancing and business. And then, in some capacity, we, we think there's an opportunity for them to like graduate to Pobloft and, and get paid, you know, the big bucks from Pobloft. Um, so I think those two are related. In regards to my podcast, Forward Thinking Founders. It's, it's it's primarily a way for me to inject myself into um, kind of the, the tech scene in San Francisco and New York and whatnot. I, you know, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. There's not much um, kind of big tech stuff going on here. And I am kind of have that kind of mindset. So I'm using that as a vehicle to break in. And I'm doing that pretty successfully, which is uh, which is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, so Pablo Gigloft are related for thinking founders is more of a career and networking type thing. But that's, of course, going to be related to anything I do because it's network building and everything kind of do is related to your network. Yeah. And, and anybody who's paying any attention to online content will see that podcasting is a tremendous way to to make connections through the content that you're producing in yes. collaboration with people and in your case um, and we were talking about this uh, off the show or pre-show but in your case you're talking to the very people who are perfect candidates for gigloft as a, as a customer so let's talk about that real quick I already did the intro that that told our audience about what gigloft is and what publoft is but since you mentioned that they can sort of dovetail one another like that can you talk a little bit about how your vision rolled out? for how these two services, why these shouldn't be one service, but how they should dovetail one another. Sure. Well, there's a few things to to, to highlight, to, to give a little bit of the background. Um, so Publoft was a company I started a little over two years ago in an effort to kind of quit my job full time. I was freelancing at the time. Um, I was writing and I just wanted a little more credibility. So, you know, one thing led to another and I started Publoft and it started growing. Um, after kind of my first shot at it, um, it, I needed to, I wasn't able to do it alone. I needed like, there were some skills I didn't have that you need to, you know, to grow business. So um, it, it folded, but the second time we started it, which was about a year and a couple months ago um, with my current business partner, we grew it from zero uh, to twenty five thousand dollars a month, um, so we actually uh, we actually um, it, it, it grew very quickly. And you might be wondering, great, like you're five thousand dollars a month today. What happened? Um, and what happened? Is, no, nobody's wondering that at all, Matt. <laughs> yeah, well, what, th- there's two, there's two things, and this does answer your question. Um, so something that I'm really interested in is democratizing opportunity for people who may not have access to the opportunity. And we thought Publoft, um, which could be a venture scale company, was that solution. So we actually got an investor, one of the best investors out there, Jason Calacanis. Um, he put in a hundred grand and we're like, great, scale, baby, scale. Um, and what a mistake. Like the 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 model doesn't scale super well. Um, so as Publoft started to, to suffer a little bit, we saw the light and we're like, wait a second. So Publoft is managing content for startups, but that that doesn't scale. Scale, and that can't have the impact maybe that we that we wanted to have. But what what does scale? And what scales is education, curating content that helps 
people who don't know how to do something learn how to do it and then go through the process of practicing it. And that's kind of where Gigloft came from um, out of Publoft and, and Gigloft, you know, have, we have a developer and we're building a platform that will enable scale. But right now, as we're kind of in the rebuilding phases of what happened in 2019, which is, you know, we can go into it if you want, but it was a pretty crazy time. We see great. We have an opportunity to educate people and kind of train people on how to be freelancers. And then once they, you know, get to a certain point, they're might be an opportunity to give them work through Publoft. Um, and it's this kind of double-headed uh, kind of dragon that uh, we were able to leverage in the market, which I think makes it a, a little more dangerous to other companies, you know, um, because we have two, two forces going on instead of one. So Publoft, the idea of Publoft was to be sort of an outsourced um, content engine, so to speak, for content marketing team for startups, yes. um, you know, right. you're, you're spending your time, your head's down, building your product. And it was sort of a productized service of content offerings on, be, yep. on their behalf. You get to know their business really well, and then you're pumping out content uh, for search purposes, engagement purposes, all of that sort of thing. And I suspect or in the earliest days that you were the guy that was doing all of the content. And then as you yeah. build that process or that system, the vision was that you could start to bring in freelancers that can be a part of that, obviously. Yeah. That's and right. that I can absolutely see how the scale challenge starts to uh, exist or the crunch exists because finding quality people who understand the business well enough without writing just generic content, but can can produce good content for you on behalf of those uh, those clients becomes challenging. Right. There's tons of writers out there, but finding people who might be the good fit for this SaaS client versus that exactly. one might be tough. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and the challenge is imagine being, you know, having that type of company while in an environment where, you know, for 12 weeks in a row, your investors are saying, make sure you grow every week, but get a new customer every week. It was um, the perfect storm in some capacity. Uh, so, you know, the model works, the model works well, and it's fun kind of rebuilding it slowly again. And I'm looking forward to where it's going to be in a year. Um, but we learned, uh, you know, what type of business Publoft is supposed to be and maybe what it shouldn't be and that's uh, really good for moving forward um, with it yeah so the the i would even think that this there might be many people who hear in your words earlier that you were freelancing yourself you wanted a way to build credibility and to kind of build a, a, a maybe a little bit more of a company it seems like behind it yep. talk Definitely. about that decision like that's the transition that some people never make. Some people are, and want to be, by the way, career freelancers, and you saw a need or desire or an opportunity to, to turn it into just, instead of it being Matt Sherman, the freelance writer, you wanted to build it into an enterprise or a business. Walk through that decision. Right. How did you arrive at that? Sure. So, I mean, well before I quit my job, I, I've always been a, a startup guy. I'm very interested in, you know, why Combinator's content and all the stuff coming out of tech stars and just following tech Twitter and whatnot. So, um, so I kind of had this context of, of, of great. This is how startups work. This is how, um, this is like the benefits of starting a startup. So when I decided to, to quit my job and start freelancing, I I was doing that and it was going, you know, kind of slow, kind of fast, you know, you know, whatever it was. But I realized, like, wait a second, I, I'm trading my time for money right now. Like my like me writing this post for four hours is is I'm only going to get paid for this work that I'm putting out. And what if I'm able to find a writer who is better than me, um, who's 10 times better than me, who can do the work? 
um, and spend those four hours writing that post and allow me to go out there and find some more customers. And it, it was logical to me in the very beginning that I didn't want to be the guy who was finding all the clients, writing the writing the post, editing the post, you know, managing the clients. It was a lot. Um, so it was just apparent that I would have to find people that were better than me and bring them in because that's all the business is about. It, it's, it's finding people that are more talented than you and letting them run and doing great work. And that's exactly what I did. But was the, was there, was the challenge in your mind that you're giving up the reins to someone else and how they represent you now adds a little risk or a little challenge to that? I have a really interesting relationship with risk in the way that like, I don't really recognize it that much, meaning I've taken some obscene amount of risk. Um, you know, some risk that I think very few people my age take in regards to like living on credit cards for quite a while. And I'm just doing things that are like probably objectively irresponsible. But I think based on where I am in my life, where I have little responsibility other than myself, like I don't have a kid, I don't got a mortgage. Now is the time to take the risk. And I, um, so, so with the reason I say that is because I only saw someone coming on is, is benefiting. And if there is a risk of, them hurting the brand or not doing good work. I, I didn't see it. All I saw was the opportunity. This is um, also, you know, one of the one of the things I have to work on is in business. It's not all just upside. You have to manage the risk. And my comfort with risk sometimes isn't even a good thing in business. So it's something I'm working on. But no, I didn't. I didn't worry about giving away the business. You know, when I got my first co-founder, it was split 50-50, Like in a second, like I'm very. I understand that if something's gonna work. It's going to take a lot of people. It's going to take a lot of time. And uh, I'm uh, I'm just, you know, not one to like keep it all for myself. I want to share and help something grow. So uh, um, great point on that. I think that's a good perspective on a good, healthy perspective on not just even evaluating risk, but but seeing if risk is really even there. Like you, you, the way you're positioning it is you're you're saying that you see your current situation as you have all of the right circumstances in place to take what might seem like a risk to other people but to right. you right now it's not as big of a risk because you have you have fewer uh obligations let's put it that way right long-term yep. obligations heavy financial obligations and so it's not even if it seems to me that you're viewing it as though these things aren't even risks real risks right <laughs> Well, the real risk is is not taking the shot right now. The real risk is getting, you know, it, it, this is obviously my opinion, um, you know, of course, fact. But 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 what, what I think is that if I was to graduate, staying corporate for 10 years and then try to do what I did in the last three years, um, it just wouldn't have worked out the same way. And. I, I've now set myself, like, I don't know what my future looks like. It could be growing Publoft to be a giant company. It could be Gigloft being a unicorn. It could be my podcast taking off. It could be all three, but I feel confident that I, based on the decisions I made in the last three years and, you know, not being on anyone else's, you know, um, I haven't gotten a paycheck from anyone else, but my own companies and almost in almost two and a half years now. And, and because of that, I've been able to establish myself in Silicon Valley, in tech, I've been able to land one of the best investors of all time. And 
I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wanted to go the safe route. Um, so I guess if anyone's listening, you know, that is a little younger and doesn't have major responsibilities, you know, the risky part um, of life is like not taking the risks when you can. Yeah. Not seeing a door of opportunity as an actual door of opportunity right now, but seeing it that's as right. uh, a path that's maybe, I don't know, fraught with danger or something like that, or, yeah. or it's going to force you to do a lot of things that you've never done before. But so, um, Let's talk about, let's stay in the pub loft story for right now, and we'll transition sure. to Gigloft in a bit. When you started to, to get momentum going with pub loft, was there a light that went on in your head saying, if I'm going to do this well, I'm going to need an investor. I'm going to need a partner. How did you evaluate what the company needed in order to succeed internally? So when I started Publoft up again, I knew that I needed a partner. I, I am very good at some things. Um, I'm very bad at others, just like most people. And I there was no way I could do that alone. So that was a new off the bat day one. Uh, you know, Jeremy, who's, who's, who's my business partner right now, um, I was like, hey, I need some help. Um, and one thing led to another. He became a co-founder and, uh, you know, we grew it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it was luck, skill. <laughs> it's definitely a combination of both. Always, you know, business is a lot of luck and skill and a lot of other things. But we took off from the first month. I mean, I can even I, I can actually this might be interesting. I can pull up our numbers from the uh, from when we first started it up again. But we grew faster than anything I ever could have imagined. You know, we start in June. We made three hundred two dollars in July. Twenty four hundred dollars in August of 2018, 5,600. Then in September, 8,500. In October, 11,000. In November, 19,000. We grew like an absolute weed. And it, I was working my tail off. You know, I, I was. Um, There's a lot of luck involved. Um, but what happened when you're growing so quickly is you get maybe a little overconfident or maybe blind to what what that that isn't sustainable like growing at that rate which was a, a extremely fast rate it's, it, you don't keep that up um you know and we we thought we would um which was you know our mistake uh, so in regards to the investor we took it because the opportunity was on the table i mean i got on jason calacanis's um you know uh, podcast and was talking to him about about Publoft and he's like wow like you're doing well like have you thought about our accelerator I'm like Jason Calacanis just asked me about the accelerator <laughs> insane and the, what he told me on the podcast was like you can either stay be the best in the little leagues which is not a bad thing he said he would totally respect that um, or but if if the big leagues are knocking are you gonna are you going to say no? And, you know, he was the big leagues and he was knocking and I opened the door and, you know, I walked in and the big leagues destroyed us. You know, we had like the big leagues were really <laughs> a, a, a truly different place than than where we were. But the thing is, um, now that we've gone through the experience and lived through 2019 and lived to tell the tale, we're much better equipped to to for the long haul build a sustaining and, and good company and potentially raise money when is actually necessary in the future. Well, man, um, so, you, you, you gave us the whole storyline all in one answer come on now matt i gotta i gotta i got details i gotta get into to here give me a chance <laughs> so no, it, it was just crazy that i feel like looking back on i, I just i think 2019 you know in, in two decades 
2019 will just be the year. It'll just be the year. I don't know. It'll be, I'll be interested to see where, where I'll end up, but, but so much happened in this year and I'm grateful. I'm also, you know, disappointed and happy and just so, so many feelings about 2019. <laughs> What's funny about this is you, you were going to be uh, the writer early on, right. And realize yeah. that that's not going to scale. Um, you partner with Jeremy. Did you know Jeremy? Was he a personal friend? Is that how you yeah, knew him? Yeah, he, he was a friend through the Phoenix startup scene. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, you know, Jeremy and it's Jeremy Chevalier, right? That's we should yes. probably highlight that. So, you knew Jeremy, you bring you bring him on or you partner with him as a co-founder and um, and things scale rapidly. And what people only know about you so far in this conversation is that you were willing to be the content guy. They don't know about your uh, skill sets <laughs> and um, that might have contributed to that rapid growth. And I'm going to take a quick stab and you correct me. Because I think it might be fun because you have no idea what I'm about to say. But when, when, when we think about what might have happened to cause you to grow rapidly, you have a skill of persuasion and, and sales skills, for lack of a better term, that maybe the average content developer, content marketer, writer maybe doesn't have. From your, your days in school, um, uh, becoming the, the, what, the regional president or something like that through a program in school. You were in college and uh, I think con convinced a ton of people to do a promo video for the uh, Undie Run, if I remember correctly. Is that the story that there? Uh, maybe yeah, you can maybe correct. you can fill in some of the details on your on your back your backstory with uh, persuasive skills and talk a little um, bit about why why you're able to grow things rapidly. Sure, I I've always had the kind of a interesting skill set and have done, I would say, dip, interesting things. Um, you know, what you referred to in high school is I I, I ran uh, for a regional president of this youth group uh, covering three states and I won. Um, and then, uh, you know, I did the same thing in college with my with a group that I was involved with called Hillel. I was I kind of as a freshman or I think I was a sophomore, I got myself on the undie run team at ASU and 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 yeah, like what you're referring to is I like convince people to do funny things with just their undies on around campus and filmed videos and it was hilarious. Um at the same time, you know, I was able to get in a hotel room with Robert Scoble to show on my app, you know, at CES. I was able to talk to Gary Vaynerchuk at Venture Mad. I like do I get myself in these situations you find um, ways you find ways to get an audience with people that might matter and or you find right. ways to convince groups of people to do something that you want them to do for some outcome right it's just yep. something in you yeah it is it's i think it's a combination of i never have um what's the word um, my intentions are always right like i never have a, a a different intention for asking someone to do something i'm a very honest sincere person and with that um that combining with my energy and i think my um i guess my persuasion i mean i am able to get people to do things that i think are the right thing and then get them to think they think that it's the right thing as well. And that that's done me well. I even, you know, was able after emailing Jason for two years that like him saying Publoft is an metric scale company. I like looked him right in the eye at, at the, at when I was pitching him and he's like, I believe <laughs> he like literally said, I believe I'm like, all right, I can convince Jason that to believe. So it comes down to being good with people and it comes down to being a good person. Um, and it comes down to being honest. Uh, I think those are the, like, I, I'm not a salesy type of person. I never try to, I'm never, I'm not like, I don't sell anyone ever. It's just like, if they, if I think it can help them, then I'm going to sell them. If I don't, I'm not going to sell them because like, that's a disservice to them. So as, as an aside, by the way, do you, now that you have worked with some of these SaaS founders as part of Publoft and even 
I guess, as part of Gigloft as well. And yeah. you've spoken with them on your podcast. Do you find that that is a rare trait, the ability or willingness maybe to evangelize their vision or evangelize their product or something like that? Yeah, it's it's very rare. Um, it's not rare if you you know go and if you take the mean of a Y Combinator class, it's everyone, right? But Y Combinator, you know, is the top 0.1% in the world of founders. Um, but yeah, it's rare, and I think that's why I kind of stand out. Um, not from peers, but just like the reason I'm able to take ideas and actually do something with them is because I evangelize, uh, evangelize them heavily. And some people get annoyed by it. You know, I have this actual like group of friends, about 20 to 30 people that whenever I get an idea, I shoot them a message um, and they probably get sick of it sometimes. But like, it's just it's, I, I've always been like that since middle school. And like some people shuffle out of that. Some people shuffle in. It's like kind of an interesting um, dynamic. But yeah, if you can't evangelize your idea, if you just build it and expect people to come like you're you're done like before you even start no chance the only way i was able to get pub off of the ground is cold emailing 300 startups the only way i was able to get gig off of the ground was convincing applicants who applied to pub like gig was a solid idea and like shifted their minds on what they wanted out of you know the loft brands so you got to be an evangelizer and if you're not you're like maybe you maybe you should try something else before you try to start a company you know you have to evangelize it well said. All right. So Publoft is motoring along. Uh, you're growing maybe more rapidly than you anticipated, and that's creating its own bottlenecks, constraints, problems, that yeah. sort of thing. When did you hit a point where, with the growth where you felt like, oh, this is uncomfortable, this could implode or, or cause other problems if not implode? So it was actually, so, so to give you a timeline, so we hit $25,000 MRR in December. We interviewed December, you know, nine months ago, we interviewed for the launch accelerator um, uh, in December, or may, maybe it was January. And uh, at that point, I still hadn't, I still hadn't thought we were growing too quickly. I thought it was under control. Um, where I, I thought we were growing too quickly is the one month into the launch accelerator because they were stressing that we grow so quickly. We, we got a new customer. Um, like we pretty much grew every week, which means getting a new customer every week, which sounds good, but I they were just not the most high quality customers. They weren't paying all too much. We were doing it for the sake of growth. Um, and I, um, and you know, but it was fine. It was all fine until, um, you know, kind of the day that I'll probably never forget, you know, the day when I'm not gonna mention the name of the customer, but our biggest customer at the time who had a giant, you know, they were paying us a good amount of money, um, you know, they, for various reasons, they needed to move on providers due to the kind of external reasons. And that was uh, the start of kind of the the downfall. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, like it, I think if we weren't growing so quickly, we could take that news and be like, that's fine. Like, we'll just, you know, get some more customers. Sure. But I think things were so... They were so insane. We were in Silicon Valley. We were pitching the best investors in you know in the world, and then all of a sudden, you know, our biggest customer falls. It did some stuff, you know, to my head that I um, wish it didn't. But you know, I'm an inexperienced founder. You got to learn the hard way sometimes. And that's uh, that. When we lost that customer, I'm like, great. What are we gonna do? And it kind of went um, kind of downhill from there. Um, you know, until we are kind of now, which now we're like build, building back up. Right. You had you had never had a moment where a customer had told you. We want an alternative. <laughs> Things that just kind of compounded. A new customer, you've convinced a customer, you've convinced another customer, you've convinced, and now all of a sudden a big one says, "No, nah, I don't want this anymore." Yeah, it the, kind the of biggest one. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a it gut was, punch, right? 
it's a gut punch. And if we weren't in the accelerator, I honestly think it would have been fine because, because, you know, there's no pressure, external pressure, but they wanted us to grow weekly. And we just lost several thousand dollars in MRR in a day. Um, and that, it, it was a mental thing. And I think looking back on it, I handled it, you know, fairly poorly, you know, I like got to keep an even keel, you know, if something bad happens, it's fine. Keep it up. If something good happens, that's fine. You know, it won't happen. It probably won't happen tomorrow. So just, even keel and you know i didn't <laughs> so live and learn you know working from home is mostly great but there are some days when i realize i haven't left my house or even my chair like all day have you been there getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away if you're stuck in the same rut as me then you should try hydro that's h-y-d-r-o-w with the Hydro Rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, um, and I don't know how much you want to get into this, but but I think you're on record as well as talking about health problems not being yep. um, the the our health, your health not being the best during the time that Publoff was growing rapidly. And that was yeah. a, a contributor as well. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, so about one of the things that I think actually tying back to a question you asked a couple of questions ago um, about, you know, I'm able to do these interesting things. Like, why am I able to do them? Um, I think it's largely actually attributed to uh, something I was diagnosed with um, in college and first kind of touched with in, in high school called Klein-Levin syndrome. 
Klein-Leven syndrome is, you know, one of the rarest neurological disorders uh, in the world. And ultimately, I'll explain it for like 10 seconds. It's very complicated, so you can look it up if you want. But the idea is that I go through episodes of disorientation, um, uh, kind of exposed sleep, and um, various other kind of episodes that kind of turn me into someone that, I, that I'm not and make me feel and it kind of changes my brain chemistry a little bit. And these happen through episodes. I've had, if I remember correctly, 23 episodes in my life in between uh, in between junior year of high school and today. And this is, you know, screwed up my life a lot. <laughs> it, um, but at the same time, um, it has enabled me to do things that I think most people, you know, can't do just because of my mindset on life. Um, so that's kind of a little background. Um, so I, I, I've had a lot of episodes in my life, but... Uh, the hardest one, the one that brought down Pablo V1 when I didn't have a business partner, is I had an episode. I, you know, was out of commission for ten days. I came back and Pablo, uh, customers weren't there. You know, I obviously the company wasn't being ran so perfectly that I could just come back to a perfect company. Um, so Pablo died because of you know my health episode, uh, my health problems. Um, and then when we started Pablo 2.0, you know, with Jeremy, I had an episode again, but this time it was different because Jeremy handled everything. He 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 was in my email. He was in my LinkedIn. There's no one, no way I could imagine anyone handling that better. Publoff didn't skip a cinch. I mean, it, nothing. It, it was perfect um, how he handled it. And then most recently, I had an episode two months ago or three months ago, and I had two high-profile podcast guests that I was going to come on. And then he emailed them. He's like, "Hey, like Matt's feeling like." not well this is what's going on he'd love to reschedule but he can't now because i'm kind of not able to email it's kind of hard to explain but jeremy has been extremely extremely crucial um as i deal with my health challenges and my health challenges are something that i always keep in mind as i think about you know my ventures in the in the future because they are um, pretty severe which is unfortunate but you know life life gives you cards and you just got to play them you're really transparent in talking about it and it makes me wonder how many other founders struggle with trying to balance maybe uh, uh, diagnoses that they've been given in their lives or maybe diagnoses that they have avoided getting that have inhibited yeah. their business. Since you're so transparent about it, have you talked with other founders about inhibitors that are personal that might get in the way that they have to deal with or confront or find a way to neutralize? <laughs> Do you have that conversation with people? Um, I wish I had that conversation more often. I actually have been, I actually blogged a pretty long blog post on the atrium blog, um, about this, just how to spread conversation. Um, and like nothing really happened. I mean, I, whenever people reach out to me about KLS, I always chat with them about it, but, um, it would be great if, um, you know, the story is something could pop and I could actually like have the opportunity, not, not so I'm well known, but so I can actually like, you can get this out there and, and uh, one, erase the stigma a little bit, but two, like give someone, like give these founders who have, who have things going on with them, someone to talk to, you know, I, I think one of the reasons I'm so open about it is because, you know, it's done some pretty, uh, difficult things to me. And I think the only way I'm able to deal with it is to be open about it. Um, like it, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not fun. And, uh, I think holding it in would make it less fun. So I talk about it and it's kind of my way to cope. Well, honestly too. And I think, I think it's, um, uh, it's very vulnerable of you because it comes with its own risks. And even if it would be completely inappropriate, you know, if somebody chose not to invest in you or somebody chose not to partner with you because they knew about that, that would be, off the charts inappropriate and and yet 
I think it, it is something that you have to factor in to how you run yeah. your business and how and how you work with partners or how you work with uh, potential investors or collaborators or whatever it is. It's something that that is an, an automatic part of you. And even yeah. if your syndrome is relatively unique, you know there are founders that deal with maybe mental health issues or other yeah. issues, um, physical other physical issues that that hinder them. And coming to grips with it, I think is uh is crucial. Um, so, something that that kind of irks me a little bit is I think that there's a conversation in tech about mental health, but the people that are, this might be inaccurate, but it's how I perceive it. I I feel like it is kind of becoming slightly popular to talk about mental health. um, And it's good. It's it's like a good thing if you want to talk about it. But I sometimes, to be honest, like question the intention um, because when I like, I'm someone who I, w- I would love to help as many people as I can with their mental health. And I think, you know, I've had some stuff that makes me qualified to, to relate and empathize. Um, but for, you know, for, for five years now, I've been trying to just get some, like, like something to allow my, to me to like get the story out or get chaos out um, to kind of like make the conversation a little more real and raw. And if someone has some real screwed up stuff in their head, they, they're able to talk about it too. But it just seems, but it, it kind of seems like it's, it's just surface level right now. And it's unfortunate because I think there's a lot of serious stuff going on and there's not enough people, you know, that have the serious stuff talking about it. I'm not blaming anyone at all, but I just w- hope that the mental health conversation is being done in good faith and not for being on trend. I hear you completely. There, There is being transparent with what your life circumstances are because other founders may be going through it as well and, and are struggle with it. And then there is capitalizing on it, which sort of crop, uh, yep. crosses a line maybe in terms of what your motives are and how how authentic your transparency is, if that makes sense. Like it's not That's any right, more, tra- yeah. if you have those challenges and we've dealt with them uh, in, in my family and life that, um, that those types of, of uh, either health or mental health issues exist. It's one thing to have them and be transparent. I totally understand. It's another thing to use it as a leverage point, which would be, which would be really unfortunate and maybe uh, not even maybe unethical yeah. really to do that. Right. Yeah, but the, I guess the thing is the bottom line is like you don't really know, you know. So it's just like I, I try to do my part and and write about what's going on and, and offer help and yep, whatnot. Respect and that. I, I'd like I, I'd like to think one day, you know, it'll it'll break and I'll be able to have a bigger impact in that community. But until it does, you know, I'll just keep doing my thing and keep 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 uh, spreading the word as I can. Yep, I respect that. I respect that. And um, uh, just even the victory that matters most is that you're able to run a business and grow a business with your, your issues. And if it rubs off on somebody else that they know that all the better, but if you can right. impact lives by running your business, um, and, uh, and being able to keep some of your, <laughs> I'll call them demons. It's not really that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But no, it, sure. you're for able sure. to keep your inhibitors at bay that that's yeah. all the better, but okay. So that's let's, right. so let's talk about the transition, uh, of Publoft and the emergence of Gigloft. Um, sure. Where in the timeline did that happen, A? And B, since this will dovetail with A, how did you, from a concept standpoint, come to the realization that Gigloft needed to exist? Well, so technically, um, our ink is Gigloft Inc. So before Gigloft actually, and that, that was like Publoft was on Gigloft Inc. So gotcha, Gigloft okay. was always this thing. And um, actually, Publoft, before we got into ink, it was on Gigloft LLC. And then before Gigloft LLC, it was Publoft LLC. So Gigloft was always this like 
mind baby that never had any <laughs> substance, but I knew it was going to be something. Yep. Um, but it, it, it didn't have any substance, you know, until the middle of the accelerator, we started pitching random ideas of what Gigloft could be. We thought it could, we could just call Pavlov Gigloft. At some point, we thought we could just make a, a community for freelancers and charge $10 a month for it called Gigloft. We actually got like 15 people, which is interesting. Um, but uh, that was Gigloft for a second. But like nothing actually, we never stuck with anything in the accelerator because it was such a high stress environment. After, you know, post launch, just so you all know, launch is the accelerator. When I refer to launch, it's the, it's the accelerator post launch. It was kind of like we were just back in Phoenix, um, just figuring out, you know, what to do with what we did. And uh, we knew that we were circling something that we could offer to freelancers, but we weren't just, we weren't dialing it in and we were just kind of stagnating. So I just decided one of my skills is just taking an idea and just pushing it through and like making it real. And I just decided to like, screw it, we're doing a school. And uh, I just literally just, made the decision. I threw up a landing page a couple of days later, Jerry made it a lot prettier. I got some students, you know, the first cohort had five students, six students. They paid us, you know, 200 bucks and we were in business within like a week. And that's, um, I would say my superpower is like starting companies and making money. Like, like, like that It's the scaling. That's the challenging, but the, the, I just, but what made you, what made problem. you, what made you realize that Gigloff needed to exist? Because that could have come, I realized that that could have come even sure. before Publoft. Um, where, what was the, what was the uh, circumstance that you were encountering or you witnessed other freelancers uh, freelancers encountering where it told you that there needs to be something like, you know, what Gigloft becomes? Well, it's really hard to be a freelancer right now. Uh, like you got Upwork, you got Fiverr, you know, you got these low, these low bar platforms. But if you're trying to break in, that's kind of like the most logical place to start, which is unfortunate because Upwork and Fiverr and these other companies are like not super optimal for freelancers. Um, but at the same time, you got all these companies and startups leveraging just sales tactics to get customers. They don't got to use a marketplace, right? They just do their thing. So, you know, I was thinking what would happen if we started a, a school where we taught freelancers how to treat themselves like a business and get clients like a business. Um, and also with the facts of the like almost half of millennials tried freelancing in 2018, but only 11 percent of Americans freelanced in, in 2018. Like there's a gap to fill. Yeah. Um, so so I think that that's the biggest reason. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, you know, I've been working. I've been doing my own thing for the last three years. And no, I'm not anywhere close to rich. Yes, I've been more stressed than I, you know, have probably would be otherwise. But I am convinced that I and we and everyone freelancing today is like kind of on the like leading, leading what the future of work is going to be tomorrow. Um, I think in a decade, what I've been doing the last three years is going to be a lot more normal and a lot easier and a lot like more. It's just going to be it's just going to be streamlined. And I want to help build that bridge because right now there's no bill bridge for freelancers, you know, to break in. OK, so the vision I get and I'm on board with and I actually agree with because I think the future of work looks entirely different than what it looks like today for a lot of industries and or at least a lot of um, skill sets, let's say. Yeah. Um, so I guess that leads to the question of. Because you mentioned there's Upwork, there's Fiverr, there's these sort of I almost want to call them like low rent <laughs> uh, platforms yeah. that are that are present a lot of opportunities for freelancers at a very low rate that are continually pushing that rate down yes. even. Um, how do you launch Gigloft and find customers 
um, and I'm calling freelancers your customers, let's call it students. Sure. Uh, how are you finding them? And how are you how are you able to make good on the promise that they can make a good, profitable living doing this without having to run to an Upwork and a Fiverr? So for the first cohort, it was there's a few moving parts. So we had coaching calls with each individual freelancer, but we put together action plans for them. Oftentimes it was content we created. Oftentimes it was other people's content. And that was paired with being matched with a mentor. So someone out in the field, you know, that's been doing this for, for a couple dozen years or something like that. Uh, and then we have hiring partners. And I think the hiring partners is where the most value was extracted. When we get a hiring partner and they want to hire one of our students, we make the intro and then they usually do a paid trial and then they hire the students. And I think the combination of education, like this is how you do it and then access, which is great. Now do it <laughs> is the, uh, the, the dual headed monster that we've uh, kind of created in that, like, like learn to do it. And then great. Here's an opportunity to get it done. Um, education plus access is the, I think the model for the future of education. And so why not go to do something like a Udemy or a Skillshare or something like that and, and launch a course that teaches this? Why did you choose to do it on your own platform on your own terms? It's a good question. So I, I guess I have two answers. So the first one is that on a Udemy or, you know, a teachable, you get the education side, but you don't really, you don't really have the access side. And I personally think the access is, is the most important. And second, um, you know, something that I'm learning in business is there's no right way to do something. It's just like what you do and then what you do after that and what you do after that. And like, I don't know if the, the, the right decision was building our own custom tech versus starting on Udemy. I think there's a lot of a lot of pros that come with building our own tech. We're building kind of a gamified environment. I think it's going to pay off. Um, but you know, if there's anything that 2019 taught me, it was that in business there's just decisions and you, you, and you just make them and then you make the next one and you make the following one and you just keep making the best ones you can make um, with this data at hand. And uh, I just like thought that having a custom platform would yield um, better results for what we wanted to do, which is build a scalable, massive company that impacts millions of freelancers. Right. You seem like the type of guy to me who who has a, um, a working mindset, whether it's conscious or not, uh, that sort of seems, sort of is a, let's test this out. Let's see if this works. Uh, let's see if this works. Let's see if this works. And we'll make a decision based on what happens afterwards, as opposed to somebody who has a, I know you mentioned Publoft was a part of Gigloft to begin with, you know, the name, the, the, the ink and so right. forth. But it seems like you have a hypothesis for something. You you launch quickly uh, because you yes. can make it happen. You're not afraid of, of just going out and asking for business for people and that sort of thing. But as far as what is step two is, oh, maybe not step two, but at least step three or step four, you're willing to let those be murky for now yeah. after step one and step two have proven themselves out. That's right. Um, that's 100% correct. I would say learning how to make the best decisions come step three, step four is, you know, the next thing I have to work on. I'm great at starting, but, you know, if you if all you can do is start, um, it, you don't get too far. Um, so, you know, it, it's now knowing how to operate a business and basics of ca cash in, cash out. You know, as, as I mentioned, you know, Publoft was it's at one point making 25 grand a month. Um, but, you know, the cogs weren't uh, the cogs weren't good. And, you know, we the finances weren't totally in line. And I almost prefer the five thousand dollar a month that we're making this month because we have all our ducks in a row and we know exactly how much is coming in, coming out. And it's just, you know, instead of getting an MBA, I started a company. You know, that's <laughs> and that's that's what that's what happens. Right. So your mistakes 
banks have a financial tie to them as opposed to the NBA program when it's all yeah. nice, safe, cushy environment, right? That is correct. <laughs> uh, okay, so you've learned lessons the 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 good way, the hard way, the very painful way as well um, along this last two years in your journey. As you look ahead to the next 12 to 24 months of Publoft and Gigloft, for that matter, what what do you feel like needs to happen? You know, there's the phrase, what got you here won't get you there. Um, and I'm curious, like, if that plays into your thinking at all, like, you've learned these lessons and you're now at this point, hard lessons that brought you down from a revenue standpoint um, with Publoft. When you think about what you want to accomplish with the next, you know, the next, uh, the next phase of both companies, yeah. what needs to happen that is either new that you're not doing yet or that you need to scale and, and start doing more rapidly? I think a lot of uh, making calculated risks and decisions that are not emotional and meaning like if, if you lose a customer, great, you lost a customer objectively, what do you do next? Um, or great, we got a new customer. Do you spend that money because you just got it? No. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's like we've proven that we can execute and we, we have this, you know, network now in, in the Bay. So now it's really step one is getting base, uh, you know, getting profitable enough for Jeremy and I to make full time income off of off of the brands. But after that, it's just being smart, calculated and 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 making the right decision for the business and not really growing in a startup for now, like actually like focusing on just building a business and the startup stuff, it, like, like whether or not it grows into a billion dollar company, like I don't care as much about anymore because I, we, I've proven that a billion dollar investor will invest in us. So when we get there, we'll get there. But right now we've proven that we can't, you know, operate a company that pass, you know, 250,000 a year. So um, just get back to the basics is, is what the next couple of months and years looks like for us. Right. The time that you sp- you had access to and the wisdom from uh, the accelerator or from and for Jason Calacanis himself personally, um, does that continue on today? Uh, how does that relationship work or or how does the how does the your involvement with them and him how does that impact where you're at today and what happens next as far as that goes? Right. I mean, I always have, you know, access to email him and you'll respond and whatnot. I always have access to office hours. If I go up to San Francisco, I can sign up for office hours. But, um, you know, what happened is that we were one of his rocket ships and he treated he treated us as one. You know, he introduced us to Andreessen Horowitz, Greylock, you know, like just all of them. Um, and then, we, you know, we 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 one day decided we weren't going to be like <laughs> Um, and it's kind of hard. It sits, it sits with me, unfortunately, like kind of the lost opportunity, but it also know that the opportunity isn't lost. You know, it's just, it's just, we lost, maybe lost the, the battle, but there's still the war. Um, so with him, uh, my goal with Jason is to just consistently grow Gigloft and, and have kind of get him to believe in us again, because I know he does. He believed in us once and he never really I, I think he was most interested in the founders, less about the company. So it's just like doing what doing what he was interested in in the first place and being good founders and um, doing the best we can. I, I think he, he likes us. I think he's disappointed and that's hard to realize. But, you know. It's uh, it's business, and uh, you know, good months, bad months, good years, bad years, and we'll bounce back. Holy smokes, that's that's refreshingly transparent, <laughs> Matt. That's that's uh, and you sound uh, for a young guy, you sound pretty grounded. You're able to assess it relatively unemotionally. I'm proud of you. Well done. It's it's been an emotional year, so I, sure. Uh, I, I mean, I've I've done I've done my 
I've done what I've had to do to recognize what happened. And now I know what has to happen, you know, to, to move forward. You know, it's just like, I appreciate it. Thank you. But it's been, it's been, a, it's been an interesting year to say the least. Of course. Uh, so the, um, I can't help but wonder if your experience in working with Jason and, or being a part of the accelerator is a reason why Gigloft isn't just a, a Udemy course also, because one of the features that I noticed that's a part of Gigloft is that a person can sign up to not only be a student and go through the course and so on and so forth, or hire the students, um, which is kind of a Publoft piece, you know, the bridge to yeah. Publoft, but there's the become a mentor piece as well. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if, if that's sort of one of the several little hooks that you built into it that came from your experience in the software startup world versus just being a freelancer where you're maybe separate from the startup world, you know, of, uh, yeah. of, of software companies and so forth. Is that, do you think that was informed at least by your own experience and the need to have somebody wiser than you sort of helping guide your, your future? No, I think that the reason that we went, we were building what we're doing with Google offers is just doing a course is because, um, it's just like I got into business on the backs of startups and I like can't even, I, I, could, I mean, I can more now, but I, I could, at the time I couldn't fathom building something, you know, that wasn't like a tech company. You know, I tried to make Pubble off the tech company and, you know, uh, I don't think that model works like that. I think hmm. Google is a little different. Uh, but um, as I said, you know, I think we could have started off with the Udemy course and it would have been fine, but I, I am pretty bullish on the access piece of what we're doing. And I don't think you're able to to offer that with Udemy. Um, and we also have a stellar, so I haven't mentioned him yet, um, but Travis Deli, who is our third co-founder with Gigloft, um, just like a phenomenal developer, like one of the best developers I've ever met. And, um, you know, he's working on Gigloft. So if, if you have that talent and you have someone that's interested in the company, um, you know, build the right things and see how people like them. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, so... Matt, this is an awesome story. And, I, and now I can't wait. Um, usually the way our show works is we bring a founder on, they tell their story with where they're at in this moment in time. And it and it goes on these shelves in the library. Like the story is an, is an archived story, even though their business is going to evolve. Things are going to change. It's going right. to, it may shut down. It may scale tremendously. It may pivot uh, all sorts of things. What's what's going to be fun about this episode is revisiting it <laughs> down the road because yeah. um, you've had to have that sort of pause moment, reconfigure things personally, professionally, um, and and now you can reset and and we can see where things are at, you know, a year from now. So I hope you'll come back on in a year. Oh yeah, I, I would love to. I, I'm very intrigued. Considering a year ago. Like where we were a year ago, I cannot imagine to think we'll we be in a year. So happy <laughs> to come back on and, and update and update you what's going on. That'd be great. All right. Now, I, I can't let you go without you participating in um, a new segment that we debuted a couple months ago called three in one. It's uh, it's three questions that are asking for one thing from you. Um, and I'm putting you on the spot for this because I don't want you to be able to think ahead of time on what these questions cool. are. Are you ready to participate? Rapid fire I'm answers ready. are the best ones. The ones that come yes. straight off your, off the top of your head are the best ones. All right, so the first question. One principle or value that you believe in that most people don't? Work a little harder than your peers and you'll get outsized returns. Awesome, okay. Now, one behavior or habit that you try to stick to no matter what? 
I try when I have um, when I'm having a bad day or any time actually, and, and I notice my my inner head game, my, the way I'm talking to myself is not the way that I, I would like to be talking to myself. I always try to shift what I'm saying to myself, even though I don't feel it. So I guess I guess the habit is um, keeping it, keeping your head game intact um, because if you tell yourself stories for long enough, you'll start to believe them. So you might as well get them to be positive stories. Positive self-talk. That's a great one. Uh, and then finally, one person that you take your cues from or are inspired by. It's interesting. This is the first person to pop into my head, but I actually have a friend who um, is my age. His name is Matt Wittenstein. And I've just never met a business person and just a person who's so poised and is such like a good hearted person, um, as, but you can also execute on business. And I definitely I've never told him this, but maybe I should. I definitely like aspire uh, to be more like him because he is, you know, he's just like a, a well leveled guy who is just someone I'd like to be, you know, when I get older, even though we're the, we're the same age. <laughs> That's incredible to choose a peer. Now, I hope that you don't tell him, but you tell him to listen to the entire episode till the very end. There's a little surprise for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely will. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an awesome to talk to you. And I really appreciate not just the transparency, but um, but your your story and where you're at in it. It's so raw and fresh and new. And it's uh, unlike any other any other guests that we've had on the show. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're willing to come on and share it with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoy talking about it. Enjoy talking to you. That was the story of Matt Sherman, co-founder of PubLoft.com and GigLoft.com and risk taker extraordinaire. All right. Next week, I'm pumped about what we're going to deliver to you. Ryan Torres and Reagan Cook, co-founders of Vare Watches. How do you shake up a multi, multi-billion dollar industry that Apple itself, one of the biggest companies in the world, seems to want to dominate? You'll have to hear that episode one week from today. All right, if you enjoyed this episode, give us your rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcast and tell a friend about us. Mention us on Podchaser, mention us on Twitter, post about us on Instagram, recommend us, pass us along, and reach out to me on Twitter at Brandon Hull, H-U-L-L. All right, thank you to my co-producer, Preston Lee, founder of Milo and the admin of the Milo Mastermind community on Facebook, a thriving community of freelancers as well as our incredible assistant, Bilal Abrar, who helped put this episode together. Also to our friends at the Podglomerate Network. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week on Freelance to Founder. Freelance to Founder.